0: So, the topic this morning, I feel bad about it. (laughs) It doesn't match the title. Well, the the title is what I feel bad about. (laughs) The good news, there is a key to human salvation. I think that's true. The bad news, the people most apt to hold it are probably too timid to use it. I don't like the word timid. I think that was a mistake. I don't know what the right word is. The theory is right, and you're the people I'm talking about. But the word timid is wrong. So we'll see if there's a better word as I go through this. So here's the situation as I understand it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pull from a bunch of threads that I've shared with you over the past few months. Each one was a different topic on on a a completely separate thing. But over the last couple of weeks, they've come together in my head as a specific... Exactly. A specific (laughs) outpouring of an idea that is ultimately going to be a a program that I'm going to teach uh, online. But here's what I'm going to share is... The philosophical underpinnings of it and I'm going to do it in a way that I'm not teaching online that's unique to the Unitarian Universalist community and this will make sense as we go along here's the basic idea I think humanity is standing on a threshold behind us is extinction On the other side of the threshold is a new kind of way of being. The threshold itself is very narrow, there's not a lot of room, and you really can't hang out there. You got to either go back and die or move forward into a new way of living. We're on this threshold. We're on the threshold because of what Albert Einstein calls, and you've heard this before, though you probably don't remember it because really no one listens to me, but you've heard this before, and he calls it the optical delusion of consciousness. And I wrote down what he said, how he defines this. He says, human beings are part of a whole called by us universe. He wrote this in the 50s, 1950s. Human beings are part of a whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. We experience ourselves, our thoughts and feelings as something separated from the rest, from other beings, from from the human beings, from nature itself. It's a kind of optical delusion of consciousness. This delusion is a prison for us. It restricts us to our personal desires and to affection for a few persons nearest to us. Our task must be to free ourselves from this prison by widening our circle of compassion to embrace all living creatures and the whole of nature in its beauty. That's that's Einstein's understanding of the human predicament. So in a nutshell, our way of looking at the world is based on a delusion of consciousness. It's based on a a level of consciousness that's defined by dualism. And he says it's built into our optic nerve. When you look at the world, you see everything is out there. And because you see everything out there, it gives you the illusion that you're in here. And there's a distance. But from Einstein's perspective as a physicist, but also as sort of a mystic, There is no distance. We're all part of a singularity that has multiple nodes and and we're just part of that thing. There's just one reality, one dynamic happening and you and I are part of that. And the analogy I use, and you've heard it a million times, is the cosmic ocean with an infinite number of waves and you and I are waves of that ocean. As long as we see ourselves as separate from one another and from nature as a whole, we are on the road to extinction. But there is an alternative. He says you can break out of the prison. The way to break out of the prison, he says, is to widen our circle of compassion. Nice idea, but you can't... No, I'm saying this. You can't widen your circle of compassion until you you transform the consciousness that puts you in the narrow circle of compassion. If we don't have a change of consciousness, nothing else can change. That's my... That's my first premise. There has to be a change of consciousness. Most of us won't go there. Most of us don't want to go there. Most of us want to stay on the threshold. So I'm suggesting there are three things that can happen to humanity on this threshold. One is we can say, you know, it was okay. Let's just go back where we came from, back into that dualistic mindset, and it's going to be fine. It Really, there's nothing wrong. Media scared us. The liberals scared us. The science, Fauci did it. <laughs> George Soros did it. Nothing's wrong. Let's just go back. And many people will go back. And those people will die. Because that's what happens if you go back into what will ultimately be the sixth extinction if we go back. Some people are going to stay on the threshold. They don't want to go on the other side. The Does anyone else have an, eye, an Apple Watch that just starts talking to you out of, <laughs> for no reason? It's like it's animated. It's, it's, it's got a spirit all its own. Some people want to stay on the threshold, and they're going to dominate it. They're going to build a big wall, a beautiful wall. Right? And they're just going to stay on that threshold, and people who are coming up from behind they're not going to let them in because the threshold is really narrow. There's not a lot of room. So they're just going to barricade the threshold and make it their own and they're also not going to change. They're just going to set up camp on the threshold and live in constant fear of people who are coming up and and, and they're going to spend their whole lives pushing them back. The third option is people who cross over. Now, there's two kinds of people who cross over. People who just rush headlong in there. Because, oh, God, this is terrible. i got to get across. Let's go. Come on. Let's just run. We'll be safe. The problem is those people haven't prepared. You can't go from the delusional consciousness of dualism into the non-dual consciousness on the other side of the threshold without preparing. You go mad. It doesn't work. The dualistic consciousness is all about tribalism, it's all about flags, it's all about my team, it's all about us versus them. You just can't drop that and flip into another kind of consciousness. My dad is, was a classic dualist. He was a classic team player. He had lots of teams he played for. Right? He, he hated the Ford team. He only played Pontiac. Right? <laughs> He loved the Yankees. We were from Massachusetts, but he loved the Yankees. He hated the Red Sox. The Yankees he loved weren't actual people, not the Yankees baseball team, because the Yankees he loved when he was a kid were dead long before my dad was dead, but my dad still loved the Yankees and watched the Yankees and rooted for the Yankees on TV. He loved the jersey. He loved the hat. He loved the insignia. He didn't care who wore it right he was in, he was completely meta in his love for the Yankees he liked the symbol but he would you know he was just into that completely and he was never going to leave that team he didn't it wasn't that he loved baseball he loved the Yankees my dad couldn't cross over into that teamless threshold guess wouldn't work so people who were like my dad if they rushed over because they thought there was safety on the other side they would just go insane because there's no Jews there, there's no Christians there, there's no Muslims there, there's no Hindus and Buddhists and and and, and all the rest of it and my dad lived for those divisions he wouldn't know what to do without them so the fourth way of dealing with are people who cross over, the people who cross over who are unprepared they'll go mad and the people who cross over who are prepared, they're prepared on the threshold but they do cross over. Their preparation is to cross over, as opposed to the people on the threshold who are trying to keep the other people out. You're following all this? I'm gonna suggest, and then go into it in a little bit more detail, that the job of Unitarians is to prepare, and to prepare others to cross over, to cross the threshold. Okay. Only religion, Now this may be, I'm open to discussion on this, certainly. But I'm going to suggest religion is is primed for the transformation, for the training of people to cross over. Because religion works on a very deep level of myth and revelation. And that's what's going to change your consciousness. You can't just change your consciousness with facts. You need something more profound you need revelations, you need revelation, you need mythology, new myths, new revelations. The problem with the religions we have is that their myths are too old and their revelations are worn out. We need a different kind of religion with a different kind of revelation and a different kind of mythology. We might not even call it mythology. We might call it principles. Like the seven principles of the Unitarian Universalist Church. Sure. Oh God. Okay. So let's just go through them. I'm not going to analyze them. I guess I'm going to go through them and ask the following question: What other religion, in practice, not in theory, what other religion could say yes to these? The inherent worth and dignity of every person. None. The answer is none. I'll tell you that. i in case you're not wondering, the answer is none to all seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you get, you know, if you have a little conference and we have a minister and a rabbi and a priest and, and all, they're all going to go. Well, we all affirm the inherent dignity and worth of every person, unless they are, you know, not part of our team, or gay, or bi, or trans, or you know, right? They don't. They don't. All you have to do is look where a religion has power, and you'll see they can't do any of these things. So don't, don't look to see where religions are powerless. You take a, a, a synagogue, a Reform synagogue, where there's no power whatsoever. Oh, yeah, we love everybody, <laughs> because you have no power not to. But go to Israel, and you have, you know, where religion has an army, and they can't do any of these things. So, inherent worth and dignity of every person, no, they can't do that. They don't affirm that. Justice, equity, and compassion in human relations, only if they're human relations they like. Otherwise, no. Acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. Acceptance of one another, only if you're like me. Free and responsible search for truth and meaning, no, no. There's no no search. Here is my catechism. Here is my dogma. Here is the, not my truth, here is the truth. You're free to accept it, except I want you to give me money. But here is the truth. Accept it. There's no free and responsible search. We've done the search. Here's the find. The right of conscience and the use of democratic process. No religion runs democratically. If you did, you wouldn't have priests and rabbis and ministers and all the rest of it. The goal of world community Sure, sorta, of. <laughs> right? As long as we're in charge, right? With peace, liberty, and justice for all, except there's some more peace and liberty and justice for some more than us, right? I was just listening to this guy, a, a very liberal guy talking about what's called, I never heard this term before, ethnic democracy. He's talking about Israel. He says, Israel is not like America, United States, of course, even in the United States, it's not like the United States in theory. But he says Israel is an ethnic democracy. And the interviewer says, What's an ethnic democracy? He goes, well, an ethnic democracy is where everyone is equal, but one ethnicity is a little more equal than others. Have anyone read Animal Farm? <laughs> That's right out of Animal Farm. All animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. I mean, come on. Okay, so that one, no. Respect for the interdependent interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. No, most religions either say, you know, the world is illusory, the world is evil, we got to get off planet, right? They don't, they they see a dualistic thing where there's God and there's nature. We're not, and, and, and people are maybe in between at best. Unitarian Universalism, the principles, wherever they come from, is unique in its approach to the situation we find ourselves in, which is why I'm suggesting that only, and I know I'm overstating it, but still, that only Unitarianism can, uh, can prime people to cross over the threshold wisely. Only Unitarians have the capacity, but not the will, that's where I'm saying timid, the capacity but not the will to affect the revolutionary transformation that's necessary. But wait, there's more. The old revolutions, the old revelations don't work because they're all dualistic. God tells us stuff. A couple, what, maybe a month ago, I, I was talking about the overview effect. Someone looked up this book, because I couldn't remember the name, Starry Messenger. It's a new book by Neil deGrasse Tyson. And it's sort of a, I don't know what you call it. In my mind, it's like the spiritual aspect of astrophysics. But one of the things it talks about in the very beginning, and that we were exploring a little while ago, is this notion of the overview effect. The overview effect is what happens to astronauts when they see the earth from uh, either the moon or from orbiting the moon or as they transit back and forth from earth to the moon. What happens is their whole perspective on life on earth is transformed. They don't see the Rand McNally you know earth with all the different countries. They don't see tribes. They don't see governments. They don't see all the divisions that, uh, where'd my Einstein quote go? They don't see the delusion that defines our consciousness. They don't see the, the, the prison that restricts our compassion for those closest to us. They don't see the religions. They don't see the, 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 the nationalities, ethnicities. They don't see all the things that divide us. They just see one planet, one humanity, one environment, one, one biosphere. William Shatner had that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, when he went up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he says, this is um, uh, Tyson. Just going to read it a little bit. He says, he's talking about all the problems we have on the planet and how we're driven by, he calls it groupthink. And he says it goes back to Paleolithic times Um, But he says, rather than work through with the mind we've got, if we instead back away from all that divides us, you might find common unifying perspectives on the world. If so, watch where you step. That new vista is neither north, nor south, nor east, nor west of where you stand. In fact, the place exists nowhere on the compass rose. One must ascend from Earth's surface to get there, to see Earth and everybody on it in a way that leaves you immune to provincial interpretations of the world. We speak of this transformation as the overview effect commonly experienced by astronauts who have orbited Earth. Add to this the discoveries of modern astrophysics as well as math, science, and technology that burst space exploration and yes, a cosmic perspective is literally above it all. You're not going to get a cosmic perspective from mainstream religion, but you might from Unitarian Universalism. The revelation that's necessary isn't going to come from a book. It's, that's not how revelations come. I mean they did in the past. Because words were new. Words were, you know, if you, if you go back far enough, <clears throat> words were magic. Now they're sort of commonplace. What still isn't commonplace is art, is, is visual revelation. So I think we need that the new revelation. I think we've already received it. The new revelation is going to be visual. I think the new revelation is the view of the earth from outer space. And it comes in different forms. It's earth rise, you know, when they took the picture of the earth rising over the surface of the the moon. Or it's the the globe floating in the darkness of space that was taken by Apollo 8, I think, when they were orbiting the moon. My suggestion is that if we're going to have this transformation of consciousness, There has to be a network of individuals supporting one another in making the transformation themselves and then teaching others in such a way as to trigger that transformation in them as well. The only people I see with a network already established is Unitarian Universalists. The problem is that's not the focus of UU communities. I talked to, because I was there, there was a UU, the first UU Boston had a minister, and I can't find his name, I tried to locate the guy's name, I was introduced to him by the UU minister at first UU in Springfield, Massachusetts, who told me about the guy uh, and about his church. In his church, and this was decades ago, when you walked into the church, it had on the floor, I may have it wrong. One one image was on the floor, one image was behind the podium. One of them was the image of the atom and the, you know, all the parts of the atom. And the other was the cosmos, what was known, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. So when you came in, you saw these scientific, what they knew about it then, these scientific images, not, and, and not knocking the flags, but not these. You saw something else. Those images are outdated, but they're on the right path. If it were up to me, and clearly it isn't, I would, you know, and you have to have a lot of money, I think, you know, we should meet in a planetarium, <laughs> you know, and, and we should be, you know, in, in a sense, in outer space. But the closest I could come up. The closest I could come to that was this. So Jill, I asked who was in charge. So, so Jill, where's Jill? Yeah, so, Jill. so yeah. So, I'm, so open that. So I'm, I got this flag for the fellowship. So I don't know you know, what you want to do with
1: it. I mean, I'm giving this
0: to you guys. <coughs> Thank you. So, so the idea isn't like, oh, Rami's coming today, quick, put the flag up. I don't know what you want to do with it, if anything. If nothing, it's fine. But I thought maybe when you walk in, you could put it on one of the things or hang it with these guys up here. I have no idea. But this is the image that I think is the revelation, okay, thank you. Give it, give it. <laughs> you no, know, maybe hang it over the podium. I don't know what to do with it. But that's the revelation for the tw- you know from the 20th, but for the 21st century. That is what I think has to happen. Um, and, and again, I think, I think use are primed to do that. And I recognize, because I talked to the guy in Massachusetts and I've talked to some other UU uh, folks, and they're, they're concerned, like most places, you know, our real concern is paying the rent. Our real concern is, how do we get people back in here with little kids? Our real concern is growing the, our local community, not transforming the planet. So I, I understand all of that. But, you know, on a more global thinking larger, I can't think of anyone else who could do this um, other than, than Unitarians. So I don't know what that means. I tried to become a Unitarian once. They said I had to start all over with, thir- with seminaries. Oh, please. So, so it isn't gonna be me, because <clears throat> I, I, can't, I can't just be a Unitarian. I have to be a Unitarian minister, because I'm, I'm, I'm much too important. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, you get, you get the idea. I'd love to hear what you think you know, and talk about, because my, my time is up. But I, I think the hope is in this overview effect, this transformative revelation, this new way of, of doing it, it's with the seven principles. Nobody can do those but you. Nobody can affect the transformation that's necessary but you. And there's not a lot of time left. So get, get started. <laughs> All right, thank you.